Hey everyone, welcome to this week's conversation with Dr. Stephen Ned about the body and how to fix, protect, or maintain it using outside-the-box alternative solutions. If you're a big fan of the pharmaceutical or surgical approach, you are so in the wrong place because on this podcast, we're not going to be pushing the conventional medicine methods or way of thinking about health. If you're looking for another way to live longer and healthier, join me, Ron Ned and my brother, Dr. Stephen Ned, for this week's body chat about vaping with special guest Michael DeLeon. Me? I'm a retired Twin Cities chiropractor currently helping people buy and sell homes in the Tampa Bay and Los Angeles areas. My brother has a thriving chiropractic practice in the Clearwater area of Tampa Bay, Florida. In this podcast, we're going to chat about all sorts of topics related to health, nutrition, exercise, just about everything having to do with the body. You're invited to listen in to our body chat, but don't forget that neither of us is giving you health advice, so don't rush off to do something without either checking with your doctor first or seeing Dr. Stevenet as a patient at his office. Welcome back, everybody. Here we are on the Body Chat Podcast. My brother, Dr. Stevenet, gets another week off, and we have a special guest this week, Michael DeLeon, who's going to be talking with us about a very current events topic, which is vaping. We're also going to do an episode next week with Michael having to do with the trifecta gateway of drugs. But this week, we're going to talk about vaping. There's a lot of things that people have wrong information about or missing information, and we're going to try and fill all that in so that people understand it, because this is actually a fairly serious topic with serious consequences for those who actually do vape and for people who have children that might be succumbing to this. So, Michael, we're going to start off by just giving people a little bit of background for you as far as this topic of vaping and how you got involved in it and uh, what your experience has been. Okay, thanks for having me. Sure. So, you, you know, it's a very controversial subject. It means different things to different people. And the theory for most people behind vaping is that, uh, you know, it was invented by some altruistic pair of um, Stanford grads in California that uh, wanted to invent a device to help people quit smoking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, honestly, who, who would be against that, right? Right. If you can invent a device to help people quit smoking, the number one killer in America to the tune of 600,000 a year, the number one killer in the world, 7 million a year, if they invented something to help people quit smoking, You'd have to really be a unique individual to be against it. So I'm not against it because I'm against people quitting smoking. I'm against it because it's a complete and utter lie and it's more dangerous than cigarette smoking. And it was invented by not two unique chaps from Stanford. It was invented by the tobacco industry. The purpose behind vaping is to invest in kids. The same strategy that the tobacco industry used to create this madness, um, they lied. They were caught lying, and they continue to lie. They're the one, one of the biggest political lobby uh, groups in Washington D.C. They pretty much pull the puppet strings of both Republicans and Democrats. They're the cause of death for more people in the world than anything else. They're the cause of premature death for more people than anything else. So I want people to understand that many, many people trusted their doctor who put a mesh implant in their hernia and didn't think they were going to have future medical complications. Many people 
used just for men hair color or ate Zantac for acid reflux. Many people put Roundup in their gardens. You know, they used Roundup in their landscaping operations. None of those people thought, I'm going to be sitting around one day watching a TV commercial and a lawyer is going to speak right to me for me to call the numbers because I'm entitled to financial compensation. For people to just blanketly believe that a device was invented by two guys that have altruistic motives and they want to just help the world quit smoking. If that was the truth behind this, I mean, I, I got I got a lot of other things I could be doing. I'm fighting illicit meth explosion, cocaine explosion. I'm fighting psychiatrists that are shoveling psychotropic drugs down the throats of infants zero to three years of age. You know, we're the only country in the world that puts direct tumor marking of pharmaceutical drugs on our television sets. We have big problems. We're at a 50-year high of suicide in this country. Number one cause of death for first responders is no longer heart attack, which it has been for over 50 years. It's suicide. Wow. So I have a lot of things I could be doing. I don't need to be doing this, right? Vaping is the biggest lie perpetrated on the American public since the tobacco industry began lying about cigarettes and nicotine. So it's the same people with the same lie. So the tobacco industry has seen decreasing sales. The number of people smoking, a percentage of people smoking at this point, I remember my brother said it's one of the lowest points in history. So they've lost a lot of customers. So is this kind of a replacement product or a replacement income for them? Yeah, not kind of. It's 100% exactly strategically for that reason. Okay. There was a lot of campaigns, the rebel campaign, a lot of federal funded campaigns, state funded campaigns. You get kids to become the generation that ended smoking. That's what we've asked this generation to do. Be the generation that ends smoking. And they did. They became the generation that ended smoking. Tobacco use among uh, adolescents has been plummeting for more than 25 years. And now we have the lowest measurable use of combustible cigarettes by adolescents uh, since we started recording it. We have the lowest measurable use of combustible cigarettes among young adults and adults. Less than 14% of adult Americans smoke cigarettes. In 1994, when the tobacco hearings went on in Washington, 54% of adult Americans smoke cigarettes. 54%. Now it's less than 14. But yet we're consuming more nicotine by weight and volume in this country than we ever have in the history of nicotine. Why is that? Because e-cigarettes and vape, an adolescent use of nicotine, it's skyrocketed. It's at an all-time high. So, yeah, we're at a lowest point of tobacco use among kids. We're at a historical high of nicotine and nicotine elements, raw nicotine, like nicotine salts, than we ever have been in, in America's history. So it's a problem. So I try not to be a person who tells adults how to be adults, you know? Mm -hmm. If you're 21 years of age... The law says you can smoke, you can use nicotine products, you can dip, you can do tobacco, you can smoke weed in legal states, you can drink alcohol, right? You're 21. So you're an adult. So I'm not going to tell an adult how to be an adult. If you think you're informed and you think smoking is going to help you quit, I mean, vaping is going to help you quit smoking, or if you feel vaping is safer than smoking, hey, you're an adult. You know how to use Google and Google Scholar and research. Go read about it. Study what you're putting in your body. But I'm not going to tell an adult how to be an adult. My mission, my whole purpose is 20 years and young, younger, 20 years of age and younger. That's my mission. Now, 
I wish the drinking age was 30. I wish the smoking age was 30. Because mm-hmm. this thing in here, it doesn't develop until you're in your late 20s, early 30s. My, my wife says for men, it's 56. So I'm, I'm coming close, right? Now, since we're just doing audio, when you said this thing in here, you were pointing to your head, meaning the brain. Right. The brain. The brain doesn't develop until you're in your late 20s. I mean, some people say early 30s. You know, like I said, my wife says it's 56, but for men, <laughs> uh, she says women develop at 13 and men, men develop at 56, but the, the brain doesn't fully develop until your late 20s. So I, I tell kids all the time and I'm very, very you know, specific. I don't want you to even try alcohol until you're 28, 29, 30. I mean, you'd be much better off if no human being touched nicotine, alcohol, or marijuana until they were 30, 75 to 80% of addiction in America is done, done. So is that going to happen? You know, uh, we're in, you know, what people call a heroin epidemic or an opioid epidemic. And there's been a lot of attacks on pain medication, Mm -hmm. you know, pain pain pills, opioid medication, right? Some people want opioid medication banned, banned off the continent, right? Yeah. Good luck. If you get into a car accident, you go to the hospital and you're in excruciating pain. And they say, Oh no, no, remember here, you sign right here. No opioids, right? No matter how much you pled uh, for us to give you pain medication, you didn't want it. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard in my, in my life. We should never opioid pain medication. is not the problem. It's how we've prescribed it, over prescribed it, misused it, abused it, averted it. And it's become the problem. So, and we've, we've not educated our medical community. We've not educated parents. Uh, people trust their doctor. You shouldn't trust your doctor. Okay. You shouldn't trust your teacher. You shouldn't trust your pastor, your priest. You shouldn't trust anyone. You know, you should trust and then verify do your own research, trust yourself. Okay. Um, you want to trust your doctor. Fine. Just follow up behind him with what he's telling you. Right. Dr. Google is a pretty good resource. And then again, you have to be concerned about Google as well, but trust is a great thing trust your kids, but you have to verify your kids. So anyway, vaping is a very, very, very misleading and dangerous product. Vaping, the term vaping is a very broad you know, word that encompasses a lot of different things. Yeah. Let's start with some basics for the people who are listening. It's like, what is vaping? What does it consist of? And how did it actually start? Now you mentioned some false information about who started it, but you know, what began the whole vaping craze and, and well, what is it? Well, your biggest electronic cigarette device, your, your most popular one, the biggest one in the market is called the Juul, J-U-U-L. And it's a very small and sleek device. It delivers nicotine salts with some chemicals into the body in a flavored manner, in a pod, a P-O-D. Mm-hmm. The pod slips in the device. The device looks like an extended hard drive. And it's very sleek and it charges in your computer or with a USB cord. And the reason they designed it that way to look that way is because they marketed it to kids and they actually wanted parents to think it was a hard drive when the kids left it around on the table, right? Parents didn't even know what it was. And that was um, put into the market about 2011. Somewhere around 2008, 2009, it was designed basically by two people from Stanford but the components of the e-device and the vape predate that back to 1999. And every device, whether it's bigger with liquid or whether it's sleek and small with a wax pod, every device has three components in it. 
There's a power source, which is a battery. There's a canister or a reservoir at the bottom of it that holds the liquid or a wax pod takes the place of the liquid. And then there's the electrical heating element called an atomizer. The atomizer is so small and tiny. It can go in these little devices that look like extended hard drives. And it takes the wax or the liquid. Once the user inhales and sucks it in, he triggers the electrical element. The coils of the element heat up, heat up so hot that it takes the liquid or the wax and it heats it to between two and 400 degrees Fahrenheit. When it aerosols, then it enters the lungs, the respiratory system. When it goes into the respiratory system, when it gets heated up to 200 degrees Fahrenheit, it changes chemical structure. It's no longer the wax, the liquid, the juice, the flavor. It's now changed into something called a volatile organic compound, a VOC. Mm -hmm. The juices become toxins. The flavors become VOCs. They become a toxin to the body. They enter the respiratory system. So the lungs is the first place this aerosol chemical goes. It's not designed to go in there. You shouldn't be putting toxins in your lungs. Your lungs are for oxygen, okay? Some of the chemicals, for instance, vitamin E acetate, when it heats up to an aerosol and goes into the lungs, it doesn't come out. It crystallizes, settles on the inside of the lungs. What collapses lungs? We're having collapsed lungs all over this country. I just interviewed a 17-year-old boy from Gross Point, Michigan, who had a double lung transplant at the age of 17. We have a problem. This is not healthy. It's not a safer alternative to cigarettes. It's going to be more dangerous. It is more dangerous. We're going to learn that it's more dangerous than cigarettes. So adults shouldn't use the product. But again, as I said at the top, I'm not here to tell adults how to be adults. My fight is for children on the developing brain and the developing body. So all the devices have three components in it, a heating element, a power source, and the atomizer, and the atomizer is what takes the liquid or the wax and heats it up so it aerosols into the lungs. And when it aerosols into the lungs, it delivers nicotine and nicotine salts to the brain. Now, see, it's interesting because I did used to smoke cigarettes, which I've quit. And there was a point where I had, I think I had tried vaping. It was very early on. And I mean, my understanding was it was just You've got some water, you've got some nicotine, and you got steam delivering the nicotine in without the smoke, which was kind of irritating the lung linings. So it was probably better in the long run. So that was just my, and, and I have a medical background like my brother does, so I'm not stupid, but there just isn't a lot of information. I think this is just the way that people commonly understand it or the way that it's described from one person to another. So you're correct. The information education that people need just isn't readily available and isn't well known. And it's completely unregulated. For instance, to this day, as of this morning, okay, the FDA is not regulating any of these devices. None of these products are regulated by the FDA and our federal government. January 2nd, they issued a policy directive that they were going to ban the flavored pods. Effective February 6th, they weren't going to be manufactured in this country anymore. 100% complete lie, an absolute lie, an impossible policy directive by the FDA that cannot and will not be enforced. December 20th of this past year, they made it 21 across the board. So no kid can get their hands on a nicotine product unless they're 21. And I say that and I pause and I wait for someone to look at me with crossed eyes. Yeah. How do you think that works for alcohol? You know? 
how did that work for cigarettes? Making it 21 doesn't keep it out of the hands of kids. Making it 21 doesn't keep the marijuana out of the hands of kids. So the federal government and the FDA is completely unregulating this. There's very little information on longitudinal studies on these devices. They've only really been in the mainstream market for eight years in America. We've only had them widespread for about four. Unfortunately, America jumped into this and bought into this as if it was a safe product. Now we're not trying to educate people about the dangers of a product. We're having to re-educate people who can who convince themselves that it was a safe product. And now we're trying to tell them, no, 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 you were wrong. People don't want to be wrong. People don't want to admit that they made a mistake. People don't want to admit that. And you got smokers who feel healthier because it's not combustible. It's not burning the lungs. There's no butane going in, right? They breathe easier. And that's a real, real, real false sense of safety and health. The smokers are like, oh, no, I can breathe. I can run up steps. I can play catch with my kids. Okay. See me in five years and let me know how you're doing. Okay. So if if the smoke and the butane and the heating of the lungs and the smoke in the lungs isn't there causing those problems, what kind of physical problems is vaping causing in the lungs and in the body? Well, it's still heated aerosol still going inside the respiratory system. Okay. So that's a problem. So it's not, it's not, aerosol is not um, at a temperature that the lungs, interior of the lungs could take, the membranes of the lungs could take. Number two, there's chemicals. Two of the biggest ones, well, first of all, formaldehyde is one. Hmm. So aerosol formaldehyde onto the inside of the respiratory system. I, at least every other week, scour, scholar, Google scholar, scour the AMA, scour Pharmalot, scour stat, scour medical uh, websites that I've joined, looking for long studies of formaldehyde aerosol on the respiratory system. As a doctor, you know, they don't exist, right? Right. How would we, how would we study such a thing? Propylene glycol, vegetable glycerine, those are the two most popular liquid chemicals they're food additives, right? Mm-hmm. They're food additives. So the federal government has a designation, GRAS, G-R-A-S, generally recognized as safe. I love that word, generally. It's very fun. Mm-hmm. Generally, it's recognized as safe. So as a food additive, the federal government has said that propylene glycol and vegetable glycerine are safe as food additives. Well, propylene glycol is the first ingredient on my underarm deodorant. It's in antifreeze. There's a lot of things that it's in that make me nervous about eating it in my food. Mm-hmm. Processed foods in this country and America's food industry could be probably five shows, okay? We've done a few. Right. Carbonated drinks and high fructose corn syrup and processed foods and crap, right, that we're putting in our body. But anyway, there are food additives the federal government has designated that they are safe. No one's ever studied them at 200 degrees Fahrenheit. No one's ever studied them going into the respiratory system in an aerosol after having gone through an atomizer at 200 degrees Fahrenheit. So they're not safe anymore. You're taking something that the federal government says is safe in one context, and you're using it in another, and you're just not even regulated by FDA. You're selling it and telling people it's safe, and it's not. Secondly, a lot of the devices have metals. 90% of all these vape products are made in China. So China, our good friends over there, they put lead in 100% of every metal that they manufacture. The little molecular particles of lead and cadmium and nickel, okay, are going into the respiratory system when you heat these elements, when you heat these devices. They're going into your lungs. 
molecular though. So they're very small. You're not going to see metal poisoning in two weeks. You're going to see metal poisoning in 10 years, right? So that's the problem. Diacetyl is a chemical that many people might remember or have be familiar with the disease popcorn lung. Diacetyl is a flavor. It's a toxin. It's a buttery flavor. And every flavor that's out there in these devices contains diacetyl. So diacetyl caused infections in the respiratory systems of workers from popcorn manufacturing plants that weren't properly ventilated or they weren't properly ventilated and it poisoned the respiratory system and poisoned the lungs. And they came up with the nickname popcorn lung because of the damage it was doing to people's lungs. Now we're purposely putting it in vaping pens and we're pushing it into our respiratory system. So there's three main, four main, main things that I'm concerned about. And I'm not even a doctor, right? Right. So beyond that, we're putting other drugs into vaping. They're putting melatonin in vapes. Melatonin for sleep schedules and sleep cycles, but you're vaping it. Cannabidiol, medical accepted molecule in the cannabis plant that has been shown to have medical benefits, but now you're heating it up to 200 degrees Fahrenheit and you're putting it in a metal device and you're blowing it into your respiratory system. And now we're putting THC, the psychoactive molecule of marijuana, we're putting that into these pens and it's not five and 10% THC like it was in the 70s. It's 80 to 90% THC going into the respiratory system. There is 100% pure THC being vaped into lungs all across our country right now. And there's heroin, meth, fentanyl, carfentanyl, benzodiazepines, stimulants like Adderall and Ritalin. I could take any drug you could possibly find in pill form and lozenge form and strip form. I don't care what drug you find, I could put it in a vape and we're doing it right now. So now for for the the type of vaping that most of the kids deal with, because that's what you have a lot of concern about and that's who you're talking to is under 20. Most of them are dealing with the standard typical vaping and which is mostly nicotine flavoring and the chemicals that you mentioned. What kind of symptoms do the kids have that'll occur? I mean, I've I've heard of somebody out here whose boyfriend is addicted to vaping and is having to be rushed to doctors. And uh, my brother mentioned somebody he knows that was having just horrific symptoms. What types of things have you seen or heard about that can occur with people? Okay, so psychosis is very, very prevalent. And I'm seeing it not just with THC, but with nicotine. So nicotine-induced psychosis, cannabis-induced psychosis. I mean, think about this. Most of the products and the pods and the liquids that are out there right now is nicotine salt because Altria, the third largest tobacco conglomerate in the world that owns Juul, they designed these devices to deliver nicotine salts to the brain, not nicotine. Nicotine salts is a much more potent, powerful kick of serotonin and dopamine when it hits the brain. It's, more, it's raw nicotine. It's, it more closely resembles the natural structure of the nicotine right off the plant. And two gentlemen from Stanford who invented the jewel, they say they invented it. I don't believe it, but they were the face of it. And they started the company. Um, They knew that if they could deliver this high potent nicotine salt to the brain quickly, that the adults would get a rush and then it would help them quit smoking cigarettes. That was their gimmick. But what they knew was the rush on the adolescent brain undeveloped was going to be very addictive and would hook kids. And if they could get these kids hooked, 
on the explosion of dopamine and serotonin caused by nicotine salts on the flavor that the kids love, they'd have a smoker for life. They'd have a vapor, but sooner or later, the vapor would turn to a combustible cigarette. They did studies in the tobacco industry that showed that a lot of people that started vaping as an adolescent became smokers as adults. It went from the vape to the cigarette. That's the strategy, right? So other symptoms are real apathy, you know, uh, amotivational syndrome. I, I ask kids all the time in middle schools and high schools if they know kids that used to be very active in extracurricular activities, sports, and everything else. And now that they've been vaping uh, or vaping THC, they're not interested. How many do you see kids like that? And I'm telling you, 80% of the kids raise their hand. I ask kids if they know a kid who's addicted to vaping and they 80% raise their hand. So now, Think about living with a smoker who's trying to quit smoking, who gets up in the morning and doesn't have that coffee with that morning cigarette. They're a real irritable SOB. I wouldn't want to be in a carpool with them, right? When you quit smoking, it's not easy. But we're talking about the developed adult brain. Let's talk about the undeveloped 12-year-old, 13, 14-year-old. That's the problem. Irritability, anger, okay, bursts of anger, irrational thinking, not being able to cognitively cognitively process things. I said irritability, but real, real, real frustration, lack of concentration, and you know, signs of addiction. A lot of these kids, what scares me is that we allowed this to happen. The FDA turned their head, the Congress turned their head. Now you got kids who are addicted. Now in the height of this addiction, we're trying to make it harder for kids to get the stuff that they're addicted to. It's the same thing we've done with prescription opioids. Oh, you're addicted to opioids. Okay, let's cut you off. So what does the person do? Turns to heroin, right? So if the kids are addicted to nicotine, right, and vaping, maybe it's the behavior, maybe it's the process, you know, maybe it's the nicotine itself. But if they're addicted, right, and you make it harder for them to get, they go to the dark web, they go to the black market, the gray market, they go to the internet, and they find it. And you know what industry we're completely overlooking? that we're not banning any of their flavors is the marijuana industry. So all these marijuana companies that are making flavored vape pods and flavored liquids, if the kid can't get his mango nicotine, he just turns to mango THC. But now instead of ingesting a stimulant nicotine, he's ingesting a hallucinogen called THC. So that's a big, big, big problem. And I ask kids at the end of every presentation to come give me their device if they want to get rid of it. I literally have, well, I've gotten over 1,800 vapes handed to me in three years, 1,800, right? Wow. So I literally have kids come up to me after I got four the day before yesterday and one yesterday. Uh, kids come up to me and they give it to me because they said, I had no idea. I don't want this anymore. Here, you said it, you take it right here, take it, right? So I have a little swab testing device that we sell on our website called steeredstraight.org. They're only $2.50. You can take this swab, you can run it on the inside of a vape, and I can tell you if THC is in that vape. I also have another one I can tell you if nicotine's in the vape, but 99% of the time nicotine's gonna be in the vape. So you wanna find out if your kid's vaping, take the nicotine swab and swab their desk in their bedroom, swab their computer or their laptop or their tablet. I can tell you if metabolized nicotine has come out of someone's mouth and settled on a surface. but if you want to know if THC is in a vape, I can give you a $2.50 test to find out if it's true. So three years ago, 
about 10% of the vapes that were given to me contained THC. Last year, about 20%. This year, it's close to 40. Wow. Yeah. So kids are vaping more THC more than ever. That's really disgusting. So there's a lot of dangerous things that are tied up with it. So the, the big concern in the, in the laws that are being dealt with have to do with the flavors. And there's aspects of it that I've heard have to do with crystallizing the lungs or damaging the lungs because of those things. Is that correct? So what the government came out, the CDC came out and said was that it's mostly that one chemical vitamin E acetate mm-hmm. because that's what crystallizes in the lungs. But that's what crystallizes in the lungs the fastest. That's not the only chemical that crystallizes in the lungs. It's just what's most evident. So then they turned around and they said that it was THC. It was black market THC. That's what the CDC said. That's what the government said. Here's the problem with that term. All THC in America, 100% of all THC in America, is black market THC to the federal government because marijuana is a Schedule One drug and it's federally illegal. Right. So when you say black market THC, what the public thought was, oh, that's the drug dealers on the streets that are selling those le- illegal pods. Those are the vape shops, the rogue vape shops that are selling the ones that they make. No, 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 no. It's all THC because all THC is black market THC to the federal government. I-, I was sitting there in a hearing w- listening to all this and I was raising my hand and I was asking people, don't you get it? Don't you get it? Like, I feel like I'm the only one. I, I loved the Twilight Zone movie when I was a kid, right? I loved it. It was my favorite show. I live in the Twilight Zone now. I'm not, I'm not a TV show. Like, I live in the Twilight Zone. It's all black market THC. So, yes, the crystallized vitamin E acetate, when it gets heated to 200 degrees Fahrenheit and enters the lungs, it doesn't come out of the lungs. It collapses the lungs. So they set out and they started studying who was sick. The first report they put out on September um, – I think it was 20th and they had 805 serious ill and they had 13 dead and 12 days later, the 805 jumped to 1880 and the 13 dead jumped to 26 in the first set of numbers, 805 sick and 13 dead 76.9% of those people said they vape THC. So the CDC said, okay, it's THC, but 16% of the people said they vape only nicotine they didn't vape thc at all some people said both right but 16 percent said no thc only nicotine and i asked the cdc why are you factoring in 16 percent? that's almost one out of five and the cdc told me that they were outliers oh now one out of five to me doesn't seem like an outlier no 12 days later, the 805 jumped to 1886, 13 dead jumped to 26 dead, and the 16% only nicotine jumped to 26%. So I said to the CDC, now, hey, we're, we're one out of four. Are they still outliers? And they said, yes, they're still outliers. Shame on them. It's not, CDC, it's not THC. It's mostly THC. And I can tell you why that is. Because that's what manifests itself the fastest. THC products are made in a very um, harsh way. Butane is used. Propane is used. And some of the concentrate wax and liquid THC that goes in the vape pods and pens contain butane and propane in it. 
So when that chemical, those chemicals go through the atomizer, heat up and go into the respiratory system as an aerosol, now there's more damage to the lung than there would be from the manufactured nicotine pod that's manufactured by a billion dollar corporation with no butane and propane and harsher chemicals. So we're really misleading the American public by telling them most of the people who are getting sick are only getting sick because of the THC. Now, here's something very interesting. This media explosion started in August of 2019. In August and September and the beginning of October, man, you couldn't pick up a newspaper or a newscast without seeing something on vaping. And then the Trump impeachment happened. And you didn't hear anything about vaping for about two months, right? Right. And then what came up started to come up again. When impeachment went away, all of a sudden you heard a lot about vaping again. The media got back on it. I literally had producers that were about to put me on shows in October and didn't, I couldn't get them on the phone or they wouldn't answer my email during the impeachment months. They started calling me back in December and asking me about coming on. And then the coronavirus hit. Now, if you think vaping went away because of impeachment and went away because of coronavirus, you're very naive. No, but we know that the press chases the latest squirrel that's running around in the yard. Yep, yep. Now, what are the age groups that are most likely to start vaping? Middle school, 7th and 8th grade. 6th, six, 7th and 8th grade. Very influenced, very naive, very manipulatable. And uh, very trusting. And seventh and eighth grade is when social norms start to really mean a lot. Perception of other people, okay, fitting in, being part of a crowd. And that was the age that really got hit the hardest. Now, the largest survey of adolescents on drugs and alcohol is University of Michigan monitoring the future survey. It's the bellwether of all surveys, right? They do 15,000 students, 8th, 10th, and 12th grade every two years. Well, I just finished 90,000 surveys from August to February uh, in 30 states across the country. 90,000. I mean, it's not studied by an outside third party. I don't have a uh, master's level research group at a state or uh, federal funded university that cares about me. Okay. So I don't, I don't have the money to hire uh, a company to verify all my data. I got all the data. I mean, I could show you 90,000 survey monkeys and pieces of paper that have been done in 30 states all across the country. We have a closet full of them after they've been tallied, right? 70% of high school kids and 54% of middle school kids are vaping on a regular basis. Wow. That's pretty bad. It's three times what the federal government's telling us. Yes. Well, that's because most of the time they're not willing to be forthcoming when it comes to the federal government. Right. And God forbid the uh, federal government puts truth out that makes tobacco look bad. Well, that's true. That's probably not going to happen. Now, for people who want to get more information about this, because you're very knowledgeable about this, but if somebody wants to handle somebody in their family or their child or children that they teach and get them information about this, other than having you come to their schools, if somebody wants to do it one-on-one, what's the best source of information for them? Yeah, I really need to come to their school yeah, I know. <laughs> because, you know, I can see 6,000 kids in a school district, right, over a day or two. I can go to multiple school districts. Um, I can educate staff and I can educate 
family, parents, a community at night, the business community, the faith-based community, law enforcement heroes, first responders. I had a pediatrician come up to me last night in Elizabethville, Pennsylvania. And I was like, oh man, here's my card. Could you message me, email me, and you can make me better. I mean, you're the pediatrician. You can help me say some things I'm missing, show me where I'm wrong. And she said, you're not wrong. I, I didn't see one thing you were wrong on. You, 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 I thought you had a medical background until you said you didn't. So I'm obsessed with the research. So on my website, steeredstraight.org, S-T-E-E-R-E-D, S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, steeredstraight.org, right? There's a lot of information. We are gathering information so fast that our web guy is so mad at us right now. We are literally providing him like hours of work every single morning to update and change. So it's an ongoing process. So just because you go to our website today, you have to go back next week. There's more information. So on our website, there's a, a subpage called No Vaping Zone. Uh, there's a 12-page guide that was developed um, that's on there. I have PDF files from uh, myself, from the federal government, from NIDA, from SAMHSA, some, from CADCA. When I say all these acronyms, people don't even know who I'm talking about. Well, they don't need to know who I'm talking about. I've gone out and done all the research for you. I put it in one place. So don't worry about figuring out what CADCA, NIDA, and SAMHSA stand for. Just go to Steward Straight. I've taken all them. So I have government-produced documents. I have private uh, corporation-produced documents. I have medical-produced documents. And I have my own-produced documents. And I have advice for parents. Because if you go into the market at Walgreens or CVS or Rite Aid or Walmart, and you go to the smoking cessation section, all of those products are all for adults. There is no commercial product that exists in our country to help your child deal with their nicotine addiction. People haven't even thought about that. I've been screaming that for five years. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, the smoking cessation program that's on the federal government's website is for adults. And it was met, it was made in 2002, hmm. <laughs> 18 years old. Wow. Hello. So no one's addressing children. Congressmen won't listen to me. My senators won't listen to me. The FDA won't listen to me. Y'all be listening to me one day. You'd be like, wow, that guy, Michael, we thought he was a conspiracy theorist. That's why I'm not. That's correct. So a good source is going to be a website. We'll put links to the site in the podcast notes so people can go to it directly. I appreciate it. Next week, we'll be talking about how this fits in with marijuana and alcohol. I call it the trifecta gateway. Uh, alcohol, nicotine, and marijuana is the foundation of addiction. And uh, come back next week and explain that to you. Absolutely. So now before we end, is there anything about vaping you'd like to share that we haven't already covered? So I said at the, at the uh, top, I don't tell adults how to be adults. I'm the worst person to get in line behind you at the convenience store if you're buying cigarettes. The worst person you can ever get behind you because I'm not going to let up. I'm going to talk to you. I'm not making fun. I'm not judging. I'm not screaming. I'm telling you because I care. I mean, I followed people to their cars, okay, and just talk talk to them. Say, hey, do you want to quit? I I know some really good ways to quit, you know. I'm not going to tell an adult how to be an adult. I just want adults to know. I'm telling you because I care. I'm telling you because I'm obsessed with this. I'm telling you because I know what I'm talking about. Vaping is more dangerous than cigarettes. But if you're an adult, 
I'm not going to tell you how to be one. All I care about is your children. So my, my mission and my fight and my purpose is for kids. I don't want kids to vape. I don't want kids to use the products. That's my mission. So you don't have to get online and curse me out that vaping saves your life and you're 50. Congratulations. Call me when you're 55 and let me know how you're doing. But I care about kids. So I don't want the adults to vape either. But I, like I said, I'm not going to tell an adult how to be an adult. I just, I'm telling people, please, 28 personally is my number and younger. Okay. It's very bad for the developing brain and body. 21 under no circumstances can a 20 year old person or younger use a nicotine electronic device or use an electronic device for, for delivery of drugs. All right. Thank you for all of this information. Hopefully we'll get a lot of people to share it with other people. And I assume if people go to your site, if they want to have you come to their school, there's a way that they can contact you or somebody who can help with booking that. Well, absolutely. You know, there is. Okay, good. Steeredstraight.org, please. Yes, absolutely. All right. And then we're going to be doing one next week, like you said, on the trifecta gateway. So I hope people join us for that because that's even more important information. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Body Chat Podcast. We both really appreciate your time and your attention. We want to provide you with interesting and informative episodes each week, and if you have a topic you'd like us to cover or any questions you'd like us to answer, send an email to us at info at bodychatpodcast.com. That's info at bodychatpodcast.com. To make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to the Body Chat Podcast now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. See you next week. Yeah.